Chapter one, take two, two. Butler stepped into his path. Artemis. My sister is lying drugged on that couch. She was almost killed, so explain yourself now. Artemis realized that he'd been given an order. He considered being offended, then decided that perhaps Butler was right. He had gone too far. I didn't tell you about the sleeping pills because you'd fight them. It's only natural, and it was imperative to the plan that we all go to sleep immediately. The plan... Artemis lowered himself into a comfortable chair. The time field was the key to the whole affair. It's the LEP's ace in the hole. It's what has made them unbeatable for all these years. Any incident can be contained. That and the biobomb make a formidable combination. So why did we have to be drugged? Artemis smiled. Look out of the window. Don't you see? They're gone. It's over. Butler glanced through the neck curtains. The light was bright and clear. Not a hint of blue. Nevertheless, the manservant was unimpressed. They're gone for now. They'll be back tonight, I guarantee it. No, that's against the rules. We beat them. That's it. Game over. Butler raised an eyebrow. The sleeping pills, Artemis? Not to be distracted, I see. Butler's answer was an implacable silence. The sleeping pills. Very well. I had to think of a way to escape the time field. I trawled through the book, but there was nothing, not a clue. The people themselves had not yet developed a way. So I went back to their Old Testament, back to when their lives and ours were intertwined. You know the stories. Elves that made shoes during the night, sprites that cleaned houses. Back when we coexisted to a certain extent. Magical favors in exchange for their fairy forts. The big one, of course, was Santa Claus. Butler's eyebrows nearly jumped off the front of his face. Santa Claus! Artemis raised his palms. I know, I know, I was a tad skeptical myself. But apparently our little corporate inward Santa Claus is not descended from a Turkish saint. He is the shadow of Santi Klaus, the third king of the Frond Elfin dynasty. He is known as San the Deluded. Not a great title as titles go. Admittedly, De Klaus thought that the greed of mud people in his kingdom could be assuaged by distributing lavish gifts. He would marshal all the way the great wizards once a year and have them throw up a great time stop over vast regions. Flocks of sprites would be sent out to deliver the presents while the humans were asleep. Of course it didn't work. Human greed can never be assuaged, especially not by gifts. Butler frowned. What if the humans, we, that is, what if we had woken up? Ah, yes. Excellent question. The heart of the matter. We wouldn't wake up. That is the nature of the time stop. Whatever your state of consciousness going in, that's how you stay. You can neither wake up nor fall asleep. You must have noticed the fatigue in your bones the last few hours. Yet your mind would not let you sleep. Butler nodded. Things were getting clearer. In a roundabout sort of way. So my theory was that the only way to escape the time field was simply to fall asleep. Our own consciousness was all that kept us imprisoned. You risked an awful lot on a theory, Artemis. Not just a theory. We did have a test subject. Ah, Angeline. Yes, my mother. Because of her narcotic-induced slumber, she moved with the natural order of time, unhindered by the time field. If she had not, I would have simply surrendered to the LEP and submitted to their mind wipe. Butler snorted. He doubted it. So because we could not fall asleep naturally, I simply administered us all a dose of mother's pills. Simple. You cut it pretty fine, though. Another minute. Agreed. The boy nodded. Things were tense there at the end. It was necessary in order to double bluff the LEP. He paused so that Butler could process the information. Well, am I forgiven? Butler sighed. On the chaise lounge, Juliet snored like a drunken sailor. He smiled suddenly. Yes, Artemis. All is forgiven. Just one thing. Yes? Never again. Fairies are too... human. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Chapter 1, Take 2, the podcast where we read the book, watch the film, and then discuss the adaptation. My name is Maddie. I'm Brianna. And this week we covered Artemis Fowl. We want to know everything about the man you work for. The man? Oh, oh no. This isn't about the father. This is about the son. Artemis Fowl. Written by Eon Colfer. Mmm. 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 
as some of you may have seen, Disney Plus released a 2020 adaptation. Um, this episode is part of our 2020 season. It might be one of the last installments. We just don't know. We just don't know. It has been a bizarre year, 2020. It's almost like the year that wasn't. I think a lot of us at the end of 2019 were excited for that year to be over. And then this year began and we first had the Australian bushfires. And then... Can you imagine if this had happened in 2012? People would have legit been like, it's the apocalypse! People are. And I'm still... Like people are still... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. yeah. so, yeah, before... We get or, into- 20, uh, or 20 or 2001 or 2000 any of the years any of the years wasn't is there so there wasn't a 2020 destructive movie was there it was 2012 it, it is 2012 yeah. that's the one with it yeah okay anyway we digress before we get into dissecting what happened in the Disney plus adaptation what is something that you liked? About the film. It was pretty. Yeah. I thought the design of the elf city was pretty accurate. Okay, cool, good, great. That will be maybe one of the last positive things we say about it. Um, thank you for reading that part of the book. What made you want to read that section? So I found the book quite difficult to trudge through. <laughs> Um, and, and I think part of it is because I don't really like Artemis Fowl as a protagonist. Yeah. But to be fair, um, it sounds like he gains a sense of morality as the books progress. Right. How many are in the series? A few. Right. More than three? I think more than three. Sure. Um, and I, I just don't know that I'm willing to go on that journey. No. Well, you can't. I guess today, having a straight white male who is incredibly wealthy because of crime as a protagonist who decides to kidnap a female marginalized member of a species mm. in order, in to, order get to gain more wealth, more wealth mm. even though his wealth is still quite substantial, it is, it's not, this is not the climate for it. No, and it, like, even why though, should we care? Even though he gains a sense of morality, um, I would have needed to see more of that in the first book for me to, like, him agreeing to give up only half of the gold that he stole by kidnapping someone and putting himself, his butler, his butler's sister, and Holly's lives in danger mm. just so that he could wake up his mom. Like, that's not enough for me. To want to pick up the next book? No, it's it's very selfish. Do you think that um, we should be giving him any leeway because he is only twelve years old? That's a fair criticism. <laughs> I mean, I he also... has gone through a lot. Like his dad is missing, and his mom is um, a drug addict. So, like, it's yeah. not. Any... I, 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 I no, no. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I did not enjoy the book. Like we, you know, we read. Um, I just have a particular disdain for the elite wealthy. Well, naturally. And his whole thing is that he feels entitled to it because he's clever enough. Yes, just because he can, he should, and therefore he does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is not um, at all how you should live morally or ethically. Um, I agree. I mean, um, Aragon wasn't the most. Uh, well written series but I we've read all four books um, and, twice and twice I've read them twice ah oh, I've only read them once but yes and, and I still really enjoy them but I agree with you I have no desire to continue the series of Artemis Fowl and I think it's asking a lot of your audience to read this book and have faith going forward that you'll be more sympathetic or relate more to the main character. I can see why this book would have been so successful. In 2001 when it was written? Yeah. Right. I can I can understand that. A lot has happened in the last 20 years. Oh, yes. And we're a lot more skeptical of such protagonists. Definitely. I don't have an issue with an evil protagonist. I love... A, like, Zuko is my favorite character in um, The Last Airbender. Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. Um, I love his journey yep. so much. Um, it was one of the best redemption arcs of uh, storytelling. I guess perhaps I don't feel like we see enough of Artemis 
acting out as a result of his pain. You know, his motivations don't come from what's happened to him. Right. His motivations come from his entitlement. Yeah. And it's all too calculated rather than being more emotionally driven. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, before we get into the review, I'll just do some of Maddie's fun facts. Um, I was going to ask Brie what she think it got on Rotten Tomatoes, but we both already read it. Uh, So it's only 9% um, for the film, um, which I think is... Um, pretty great. Basically, as soon as the film started, I was like, no, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to spend an hour and a half watching this. But obviously we had to for your listening enjoyment. Uh, 4.1 on IMDb. It had a budget of $125 million. Um, and obviously getting the box office num- numbers can't happen because it has been released on Disney Plus rather than in theatres because, um, as many people will be aware, there is still a lot of issues we can just all agree that this film would have lost money oh yes yes it absolutely was a failure in regards to you can tell that by the reviews and everything like that uh directed by sir kenneth branner branner thank you so much who is otherwise known in my mind as gilderoy lockhart but doing some research on him he's been acting for a very long time he has done a lot of shakespeare um and he's directed two different people who have played batman christian bale and michael keaton and i just thought that was a fun fact that is a fun fact. Yeah, he's 60 years old, and he used to be married to Helen Bowen Carter. Oh, yes. interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I wonder, I was thinking, I wonder how old he was when he played Gilderoy Lockhart, but that was a while. I forget how long ago the Harry Potter films were, because while we're adult women in our own home and 27 years old, I still very vividly remember watching The Chamber of Secrets, so it doesn't seem like that long ago to me. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's like three years ago, but it's actually probably more like 13 or longer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. To age. Like, I just feel like for him and for Judy Dench and for Colin Firth, yeah. this film for the cash grab, it's just like, quick way to make a couple mil. Yeah. Well, uh, um, Disney originally had a different director um, yeah, on the project. Yeah, this was through Development Hell, apparently. Yeah, and um, they didn't like how dark or accurate it was being portrayed to the book because the book is a lot darker which i enjoyed more um they wanted to kind of disney it and make it much more like but i don't understand that because um so to me <laughs> what we needed to see was yeah. james bond meets indiana jones meets charlie's angels meets spy kids yeah that would have been great like you know and i and i mean charlie's angels the first series which is quite cheesy like the first um film with true Moore and lucy Liu and um Cameron Diaz. And Cameron Diaz. That yeah. film, is, it's quite cheesy. Yeah, it is, but it's you know? very successful. And, 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 and the cheesiness of Spy Kids with the world building that they do in Spy Kids, you know, the OSS and how it's involved with the president and they have their, you know, their organization and it's really great. And then you see that in here. There's some clever wordplay in here that I really like. There's some witty fun jokes. You can't tell by Bray's pointing at the book. Yeah, I am pointing at the book. Yeah. The, like, I love, I love Lep Recon. So if you haven't read the book... Um, Holly Short is a an LEP recon officer, which is leprechaun spelled differently, which is, that's, that's, I love that. It's very I, clever. I love that. I love the, the book. I love the time stop. I really, one of the reasons I read that section is because I love how it's integrating what we consider as our fairy tales and, and, and our mythology with Santa mm-hmm. Claus. Mm-hmm. Santa Claus. Um, what, why did you do that? I guess I was like, oh, the children read this. And he's still Santa Claus, which is um, I don't know that we uh, yeah, have a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah, listeners yeah. under the age of 10. Okay, and yeah. if you're over 10, I feel like people are going to give you a hard time. I mean, hey, I believe in fairies, but I'm very aware that many people probably think that's quite weird. But I'm like, I don't care. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I love that they integrated that into the folklore. and the, you know, Absolutely. I think that's Absolutely. great. There's a lot of fun world, world building in Artemis Fowl. Like, it's not my book, but I can understand why somebody else might want to go on that journey if this was the, you know, if, if I were younger, I, if I picked up this book when um, I when my brother did, I feel like I would have really enjoyed it. There's some fun humor. You know, mm. when we first started reading it, we really liked it. Yeah. Well, when we came, when it came out, we were eight. Yeah. Uh, and between... Yeah, that time period. I'm sure if we read it as um, young children, we would have really enjoyed it. But I agree with you that the film really lacked a certain darkness or seriousness that engages a viewer. Like, we got really frustrated at the beginning of the film that it was spoon-feeding us information. Like, they decided to have the film narrated um, 
by Josh Gad, who played Mulch Diggins, um, otherwise known as Olaf. From well, it Frozen. was implied that that was in, that was done in reshoots because what they had shot didn't make sense. And I don't understand because the the cutting back and forth nature of the way that Ewan Colfer wrote this book lends really well to a screenplay adaptation. Yes, and a, yes, like he literally cuts in between scenes in the same way that film does to create a story. Yeah, um, he wasn't part of writing. Well, they never are. Well, when they are, it's very successful. Yeah, The Princess Bride. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's the pinnacle. Well, it's just, it's the reason it won our first season award for the best. Yeah, it's the reason people are still watching it. And there's a whole cult following of The Princess Bride. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Last thing, um, Fadia Shaw played Artemis Fowl II. Lara McDonnell, Holly Short, um, who we read that who else was being considered for Holly Short? Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. Who I can just she would have crushed. She would have crushed. But it. I'm so glad she's not in this film. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. This was. Um. I don't think she would have signed on to it. No. No. She's. Yep. She's too great. Um. Colin Farrell played Artemis um, Fowl Senior. Judy Dench was Commander Root, which absolutely makes no sense. Um. For, no. a, for a huge premise of the book, um, Holly Short is supposed to be the first female. Um, LEP recon officer. Yeah, like I, oh god, it's there's a lot of good work in this book. So I mean, maybe if it had been told from Holly Short's perspective more often, I don't know. I just, <laughs> um, I could see reading this with my kids someday and getting through the whole series uh, potentially because I like Holly Short's character a lot. I like that she is the first female officer, and I like that um, Commander Brute recognizes that she has more responsibility and has to because she is representative of any of any future woman wanting to join yeah um the absolutely and, you, and and that's true if you if you were the first yes you carry it all you carry it all and you could make or break you can either break the glass ceiling or you can leave it intact and reinforce it yeah like you can double that, glaze that glass ceiling yeah you can double glaze that glass ceiling <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> That's good. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll incorporate that into my stand up. Yeah, so this is funny. Uh, it's like a good little little pun because we just got our double gla- we just got double glazing and we're enjoying um not being cold. Yeah, it's a good time not and being damp cold. And- oh, New Zealand houses. What, what why are you built that way? So terrible. Anyway, um, uh just- So I really like that aspect of it. You know? Yeah. And I'm I'm sad it was They ruined taken it in the they, movie. Oh, they they they, they ruined, ruined they, they, they ruined it. They ruined it. They ruined a lot and they ruined it as a concept. Uh, Did, uh, why would why would anybody trust Disney with their book after Percy Jackson? To be fair, um Disney had the rights to this book before it was published, but like Yeah. It, it, it future been, authors beware. It had been trying to be made for over a decade, I'm pretty sure, and they had Since two thousand and one. When it was released. Yeah, because they, they acquired the rights to this book before before it was released as a book. Oh, God. What a mess. Um, Josh Gad was really... It was so odd what they chose to do with his character. Like, it was definitely... They wanted someone more famous, even though it didn't make sense because they just made lots of jokes about how he was a giganticus dwarfist. So he was a, a very large dwarf, um, even though his character is not supposed to be. And they... They were like, oh, no, we just need more famous people to try and make this film a success. And the, the film opens, and he's t- he's talking like this, and he's like, I'm mulch, d- d- what's it, mulch diggums, and, uh... <laughs> so I was like, wow, what a what an odd choice. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I think they wanted to, because I feel like Josh Gad does have a humor, a, like an idea of humor. Mm. I love um, that he's new girl. I think that's so funny thinking of him before he was super famous. Oh, yeah, Because yeah, now yeah. he's so famous. Um, but I, I feel like his sense of humor is the kind of humor that's brought in this book. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, yeah. yeah. I mean, this film is he, full he wasn't He wasn't necessarily... I mean, he was he was miscast, but he wasn't like his role didn't didn't make sense. Yes, um, we'll go into that later. Yeah, but like, yeah. Uh, Nonso Anozi played Butler, but apparently we're not supposed to call him Butler. And Tamara Smart pay, played Juliet Butler. Yeah. So I really liked nothing in the film. <laughs> um, uh, it's. It was such a mess. Like 
Well, let's just talk about, okay, what they... Okay, so big, yes. big mistakes. Yes. They killed off his mother. Oh, yes. They killed off his mother and his father was a huge part of the film. Yeah, and in the first book... So what apparently they did was combine some of the plots from the second book and the first book. Because in the first book, his dad is presumed dead. Yeah. And his mother is alive, but basically absent because she has a drug addiction due to depression from losing his father. Yes. Um, and so they killed off his mother... So that's, you know, that was dumb. That was dumb. And and they kind of pulled into the plot of the second book where um, Artemis's dad is kidnapped and Artemis does go on a mission to rescue him. Mm. We talked about Holly Short and that whole yep. mess. Um, okay, one of the changes that I felt personally offended by um, is that they made a big deal about Butler not wanting to be called Butler. Even but though that's his, his la- name. Yes, that's his last name. It's a little, and, and, and that's what he goes by in the book. And it was just an unnecessary change. Mm. You know, like, like they deliberately changed something that didn't need to be changed. It was part of his identity as a, like... It's almost like they were trying to draw attention to and cover up the fact that they made the choice to cast people of colour as the butlers as servants as servants and so it's like oh don't call them servants though so like oh we're gonna do this thing yeah but don't call it what it is because you know we don't we want to be pc about it yeah because butler apparently was uh as eurasian in the book and that helps him blend in wherever they travel in europe for the missions for artemis and they made him black in the film and yeah, I agree. I think it, I think it was a race issue. They were like, "Oh, it's not okay anymore to cast black people as servants." But he is a servant. He is. It's, it's his job. Yeah. He is a protector. He he serves the Artemis Fowl family. Yeah, but it's it's like more than that. Their whole family does it, and there's a special school erected. Yeah. For, for that. the Butler family to be trained to be butlers to the Artemis Fowl family. Yeah. Which is bizarre. It's, it's bizarre. It's very. It's very bizarre. Thing. Yeah, but it, but that's exactly what happens and. Yeah, it's just very odd that they um, draw attention to that in such a specific way that they're trying to intentionally um, mm. make us think something different than what it is. But They cut out the book and replace it with Artemis Fowl's father's journal. Yes. So the book, you mean... Um, it's like their book of magic. Yeah. I feel like it's called something. But then they bring in... No, it's called the book. Oh, right. Okay. And then they bring in this weird artifact that... It's like the book of... <laughs> What, what's, Sorry, it's like the Book of Shadows and Charmed. <laughs> what's the artifact that they bring in for Artemis to arbitrarily need? The Aculus. The Aculus. What? What? You? Uh, why? Yeah. And it's in his house then, the whole time! It's in the house. So, okay, I think what that's fuck? basically all I have to say about the difference between the film and the book. Like, they kept the names and the setting and, and like, and yeah, it's still, it. it's still set in Ireland. Yeah. And it still has the same named characters except- and they still technically have the same roles to each other in one way or <laughs> but they another. change commander root to judy dench and i think that is a very intentional thing that they're also being like oh no it's not a feminist thing because she's a, she's a boss and she's an older woman and it's like well no because you're just just you're you're not acknowledging the fact that the book was addressing the issue of how yeah no i know it. carry on sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> Ah, there you go. Oh, well, I was because yeah, it's like it's, this is what happens when film producers are like, okay, guys, so now it's very popular to be diverse. <laughs> women are popular. <laughs> women are popular, and diverse casts are popular. We're not going to figure out anything more than that, but we're just mm. going to cast them. Yeah, and it's going to work. What's, what's the history? It's work. What's the history b- behind this um, oppressed group? What what does yeah, it yeah, yeah. what does it represent to have a like female commander? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but we should do it. I feel like <laughs> there are other ways they could have. Like Juliet is a badass in the in the book, mm. and I feel like her character is really reduced in the film. You know. Well, yeah, she really is. And they're in the film, they're like, who who better to understand a 12-year-old than another 12-year-old and make it a a, a, a young person of color, girl, African-American. Yeah. I'm so scared of saying, like, black and it being incorrect. And I'm like, no, person of color. Well, she wouldn't be African-American if they're in Europe. Yeah. I just I just don't want to say the wrong thing. Okay. Yep. Moving well, on. I mean, I think, I think that as long... I think, you know, there's a 
person of colour. It's a black woman. Mm. Yes. Moving on. Um, I think the film, I think it really falls apart because of, so like, yeah, that's, I mean, the, the book was different and better than the film. Um, but the film, the problem with this is that they didn't even just do a terrible adaptation of the book. It's a bad film. It is a bad film. It's a bad film. They have a MacGuffin. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a a thing that people are trying to retrieve that the plot centers around that has no function. It's just the source of their magic, but nobody really knows what it does, but it's also a weapon and it It seems to be technical. Like technologically based, which is you know the the world of Artemis Fowl is a blend of technology and magic, so that makes sense. But it's so vague. Mm. It's just a power source, and Holly Short holds it at the end of the film, and then says a spell, says some words, and then all of a sudden, Artemis Fowl Senior is now in the house. Yeah, that's Um, wow. So I think I think that alone was dumb. Yep. I think that if they wanted to make Artemis Fowl a more likable character, this is what they should have done. If they were going to make a change to Artemis Fowl's character that was still within the realm of the book, that worked in the film, what they should have done is Artemis should have always been planning to trade the gold back for magic to help his mother. Like, that should have always been part of the plan. In the book, it's sort of a spur-of-the-moment decision. But in the film, they should have made it always a part of his plan. Like, it was always about getting his mom back. The film... And then it also dances around. Like I don't understand. The, the, Artemis's plan isn't clear. Like at the end, he's like, "I am a genius mastermind," and it's like, "What was your actual plan?" So he kidnaps Holly, Holly, and then she's in the house, and like they bond for some bizarre reason that doesn't happen in the film. Um, doesn't happen in the book. Sorry. And so he takes off his reflective glasses. I think, sorry, they bond because Holly's father is dead and Artemis, has, his father is gone. And so they're like, oh, we both have father issues. Let's be friends. And so he lets her out of his the cage. And then what? Like, what? what is his, his plan? His plan in the film seems to be to kidnap Holly, to trade Holly back for the Aculus so that he can give the Aculus to Opal to get his father back. Right. Okay. Apparently. And how does but he it is find really weak. out? And he, he, he just guesses yeah. that Holly will be at the tree. Yeah. But in the bo- book, it takes them months to look. They go to several different fairy hotspots. Yeah. And they happen to find a fairy at the right time. Yes. Yes. But it's, it isn't luck. It's persistent stakeout. Yes. And then in the film, there's some sort of odd ability that the LEP retrieval unit have that they can turn off magic whereas in the book you actually have to recharge your magic and yeah, holly has a ritual yes and holly hasn't done that for a while and they take that out why hasn't she done it for a while in the book in the book it's a, it's a little bit like it, it, she's gonna do it like every five years or something and she just hasn't gotten around she to just it. hasn't gone around yeah to it. and so she does it in the book and that's how she gets the huh. strength to be able to fight the troll and that scene is also way better in the book and Butler gets real messed up and, like, actually fights the troll and loses. And then Holly sacrifices some of her energy while she's going unconscious to heal Butler. And that's kind of how they bond. And Butler is then advocating for Holly when Artemis is still trying to be a real dick. But that, like, in the film, they're all, they're like a team. And they're all friends. And they're all fighting against Opal. That is not the same character. But Opal is also a super vague bad guy. We don't know. There's no backstory. We don't know anything. They're just It's just a, a hooded shadowy figure. There's no depth to any of the characters, any of the world building, any of the relationships. And Artemis, who is he? Why is he surfing? What is that Why ass? is he surfing? What is that supposed <laughs> to be? <laughs> like, he, what? what? They were like, oh, so like I see on your resume here, your CV, your performance CV that you can surf. Cool. Let's get a shot of him doing that. Why? Because it'll make him likable. Because people like athletic people. And... Surfing is like, you know, surfer. Yeah, and then there's the voiceover at the beginning where he's Josh Gad is like, there's nowhere that Armis liked better than Ireland. He loved his home. <clears throat> Did he? I, I don't think he really gave a shit. I think he was a really spoiled kid that he was just like, yeah. I'm 
I'm pissed off that my mom is unwell and I'm 12 and I can't handle these emotional issues. And what was that whole thing with the um, the school psychologist? Yeah, and he's like, who do you think you are, young man? And he's like, I'm leaving. Like, that seemed to be a really bad he way to go- demonstrate his intelligence that he doesn't demonstrate for the rest of the film. And his coldness that he doesn't yeah. demonstrate for the rest of the film. Yeah. It's like that shot was done with the original director, and then the rest of the film was done with Kenneth Branagh. 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 I think. Branagh. I, I never understand. I don't know. He doesn't get his name pronounced correctly because he made a terrible film. That's right. But we all know that it's the production company that has a lot more say than the directors. It's to be honest, like- it's Disney's fault. And Whoa. Disney keeps doing this. Yeah, it's so bad. It's really bad. I think there's not a lot that we need to say that hasn't already been said. Like, pick an article. They're all there. Pick a YouTube video. They're yeah. all there. I think, I think that I feel that the Artemis Fowl movie is worse than the Eragon film. Yes. And the, to me, that's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. Because to me, Eragon is... As I discussed in that episode, it was the first film that I'd ever stopped 20 minutes in. I wanted to stop this film five minutes in. Like, 11 minutes in, I noted, not one female had spoken. We had met five or six male characters who had either spoken directly to the camera as a narrator or as characters. And it's like, okay, and then we're just going to bring in a female commander to kind of like, oh no, there's still diversity. And also... Um, well, 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 well yeah. to be fair, the book doesn't have a lot of diversity in it. It really doesn't. You know, you've got Juliet and Holly Short, and that's it. Yep. Really. And mum. Well, and mum, but she's drugged for the majority of the film. But the I but wanted like, to, like, I wanted it to be more sad. Like, Artemis, he, he's acting out because he's real sad, really. He's sad his dad's gone, and he's sad that his mum isn't there to, like, help him. Yeah. He's got to be the parent, right? And I wanted to see the mum be all, like, out of it and detached. They should have made... Because there's the one scene where he goes into the room to visit his mum. Yes. And he's really patient with her. And they should have they should have just played on that. Like, they really could have... It, it wouldn't have been that hard to make this film. And, mm. and, and re- reasonably, they probably could have done it within 90 to maybe... 120 minutes. But you don't have to make a child's film an hour and a half. Like, Frozen is a little bit longer than that. And also, it has really dark elements. And it yeah. was really successful. Like, yeah. who who has stopped realising that? Like, why has this happened? I don't know. It's so odd. Yeah, it's odd that one of the things that Kenneth Branagh was like, I don't think we can get this because um, he does Shakespeare and King Richard the Third is like everyone's love to hate villain, mm. you know? Yeah, he's done Macbeth as one that kept popping up. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I think one of the problems was they kept the structure of the book, but then not any of the motivations or plot point. Like, they still do the time freeze. Um, <laughs> do do, do they? <laughs> they... they it, I think it's funny as well because they completely change the way the time freeze works. Like they've do it, done it already once in the film to kind of be like, "Oh, a teaser," and it happens like the absolute. That's not how the time freezes works. Yeah. Where everyone inside moves slower, which isn't the case. Yeah. So basically, what happens is inside the bubble, time. This is, this is supposed to happen. Um, time slows down inside the bubble, but like only in comparison to how it's moving outside. So time is progressing at the same rate outside the bubble but it's going slower inside the bubble yeah exactly and so but the people can move at like normal speed yeah and so they just change that up at the first time you see the time freeze but then nobody physically freezes yeah but then they change the rules again to be actually how it is in the book when they show it to you a second time so it's like huh huh what are the actual rules to the time freeze and then he shoots it which doesn't happen in the book um butler shoots it and it cracks, and then as it's just being impl- as it's imploding, I think is what's happening. Instead it- of doing the bio bomb, yeah, instead of doing the bio bomb, which would have been very cool to see, um, they create all these kind of like whirlpools of time bloops, 
and it spits people out. But they don't actually, like, initially you see a fairy get taken and then you don't see it go anywhere. So it's like, did it just die or what? But mm. I think it actually just gets taken outside the bubble, so it's not that big of a deal. But everyone but starts then, panicking. Yeah, but then Holly gets picked up and swapped back down. Exactly. Like, there's just no rules. Yeah. There's no rules to the magic or the logic behind it. But, like, yeah, so they so, so they do the time freeze. Yes. He Artemis still kidnaps Holly short. He still picks her up at the tree, but there's not a reason for her being there. Yes. Like, there's, there's yeah, something. She, yeah, exactly. She just. It's like her, like, something about her dad, but, like, there's, we don't know why going to the tree would. Well, has anything to do with yeah. the dead. But then we say you're leading dad to pick up a medallion. But if you haven't read the book, like... Cause but, she, and what is the medallion? Does that ever come back into play? No. And she, yeah, exactly. She just she goes to leave after kept, like neutralizing the troll. And then she's like, oh, I'm not going to fly back to home base. And we just see her shoot off and the commander's like, I knew she would go rogue. And it's like, yeah, and where it, is she going? It's so, 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 yeah. They kept all the, the, the plot points, the troll, um, commander... Uh, root being taken over by what's his bucket but they don't have any of the same motivations and so they're trying to like shoehorn in motivations for the plot going this way yeah and why things are happening yeah and they create the aculus and they create the friendship between Artemis and holly and and like and 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 that's the problem like they kept the structure of where people are going to be and in what relation to each other but they didn't keep any of the story i don't know i don't know how to explain that like it's it's, the most bizarre thing it's really weird and and that just goes to show they had enough screen time to basically capture the plot and then just didn't yeah they didn't it was too dark so they made it stupid yeah basically um yeah because at the end of the movie Artemis and Holly shake hands very intentionally in front of the camera to be like, friends, friends forever. And in the book, Holly's like, I will get my revenge one day on Artemis Fowl. And maybe later on in the book series, they do become friends. But fuck, that doesn't make any sense in this movie. Yeah, I, I, like, and I just, Kenneth Branagh, I, I don't understand you. I read a review like, and it said, um, this is just a blip on... The resume of Kenneth Brenner. The thing is with, like, with <sighs> Gary and Gertie Giggles in Spy Kids 2, they're both villains, but there's never a point at which they pass... Is his name Gary? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Gary it's such and an Gertie... an old person's name. Gary and Gertie Giggles. I mean, you, you're most likely right. Yeah. So, with Gary and Gertie Giggles in Spy Kids 2, there's never a point at which, like, like they're evil, but there's always, like a way to set it up so that they're evil but charming, which is exactly what a lot of villains are. Especially in children's literature. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't... I just... I I feel like it's definitely possible. Yeah, but I, and I also feel like we've talked about it before. Like, yes, Artemis is the main character, but it doesn't matter that he's a bit evil. Like, some people will relate to that. Like, we talked about how in children's literature, like, there's um, Voldemort, who is legit bad and kills people like as a murderer yeah. and how you don't need to shy away from that and, and young kids watch harry potter like young and i mean okay okay the never-ending story terrifying okay Co- uh Coraline, terrifying yeah um monster house terrifying i don't know that Coraline were, was made for children really I'm, watching it i'm like as an adult i, I find watched it with children it's very uncomfortable I watched it with children. But I think it's something we heard a YouTuber was saying. It's like animation isn't a genre. Yeah. The labyrinth. And it's not. Terrifying. Okay. Like there are lots of truly terrifying scenes in children's television. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. Kids survive it because kids will see truly terrifying things in their lives as children. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Just because, just because you're under the age of 18, it doesn't mean you live in a world where, like, oh, a bad thing is coming towards you and then a force field bounces it back and so you haven't experienced it. Like, I'm not saying we need to try and scar our children, like, push the limit. No, but you're saying they're going to get scarred anyway. No! <laughs> I'm just saying they can cope with seeing dark things. Well, that's literally how you age and mature, is you have experiences that are different from things you've had in the past. Whether that's good or bad, it happens. And therefore you learn and change and grow and that is like that is more important than actually oh i've survived another year because you you may have lived a year inside of a very isolated bubble and you have not changed as a person to grow up and become an adult is to have different experiences that are sometimes bad and learning how to cope with them is a huge part of maturing yeah i saw harry potter when i was like eight eight 
Mm. I was fine. Yeah, I read the first book. I think my mum read it to me. And I would have been like nine. Yeah. Yeah. I like, might have even been younger when I saw the first Harry Potter book. Because I think I started, I started picking up the books when I was eight. And yeah, I yeah. saw them And this is first. a series as well. Which is another reason I don't understand why they tried to force so much into the first I film. I saw Star Wars when I was like five. Yes, we get it, darling. But why are they trying to not make series and then they also try to continue it on at the end of this one to be like hey kids we'll be back and it's like no you won't because no one's gonna like the movie yeah i um i've got a friend her name is elisa who worked on um a little bit of artemis fowl and she said that they built a lot of practical set pieces anticipating this would become a franchise but they haven't set it up for a franchise. If you're working with a book series, you can't just steal things from the second book. No, not at all. Like, you're just what? gonna You're just going to piss off people who are fans of the book series and you're confu- going to confuse people who have not read them. Like, we've read the first book and we were still like, who is this character? What are they doing? Like, it shouldn't have been in there. Why is and this especially, so Especially, God, we're so angry, but this was so bad. Especially if you're trying to ma- keep the film to a 90-minute runtime. Yeah. Like, why are you trying to cram more than one book into a film? I just was so angry to see Artemis Fowl Senior in the movie. I was like, no, you're not supposed to see him at all. It's like they did, when they do that big reveal for the final evil villain in Percy Jackson in the second film. And I'm like, you guys suck! Anyway! Shall we do Remember Make Retire? Or is there anything else you wanted to say? No, yeah, I'm good. Like, it it was it was terrible. It was bad. It was really, really bad. Like, is it the worst movie I've ever seen? It's definitely the worst supposed blockbuster I've ever seen. It was worse than Eragon. Yeah. And that's that is big. Like Eragon for years was one of the worst films I've ever seen. And now it is this one. Like, this one had no point where I wasn't like... Where does it rank on level of offensiveness between, like, this and The Last Airbender? Um, I mean, that's an interesting question. I it's do. hard because I know you feel personally... I do feel very... Per- like, the last... Persecuted. If I... I'm an atheist, but if I was religious, The Last Airbender would be my religion. Mm. That would be, like, if I... When I die, that is the universe I get to go live in. And I would be so fucking stoked. I'd be like, yes! I'm so excited to die! And I would be like, oh, I get religion. But I'm an atheist. And so the film, Hmm. uh, I could have cried. So I I guess the last Airbender film hurt me on more of an emotional level. Where So it made me sad. Whereas this film just made me angry. Because I was like, I'm already not that big of a fan of the book. So it's not so much of a personal grievance but i was still so frustrated i was like you had over a hundred million dollars yeah and amazing actors who have proven themselves to be incredibly talented and this is the shit you make and do you think it's worse than dr doolittle i was thinking about that because that was also 200 million dollars dr doolittle didn't make me this angry i think this is worse sure what do you think i think this is worse yeah this is i think Doolittle had a stronger plot and stronger character motivation. At least it made sense, like, chronologically. You were like, oh, yes, I see where you're going now. And I see why you think you should go yeah. there. Like, yeah. it wasn't very good. But I was like, yeah. And I mean, to be honest, I enjoyed the different locations and stuff hmm. better. Whereas this one... Yeah, Eowyn Colford does kind of trap us. But, like, to be fair, the film spends um, the majority of the time in the second half of the book. Uh, like, being trapped in the manor. But the book actually doesn't get trapped to the manor till a little bit later. Um, so you get to see more locations with, I really would have liked to see them, um, where are they? Are they, in, they in China at the beginning? Oh yeah, I would have loved. I really would have liked to film... see that. I would have loved to see the book. Yeah, I would have the... loved to see. Yeah, the film should have opened there. I'm a little bit sad that, that they didn't, Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah. Yeah. In Vietnam. So they're in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, and I would have loved to see that location. And I, I would have loved to see a montage of them going on stakeouts. And, yeah, and looking and for like, the book. And the relationship between Artemis... And Butler. Butler, that would have been a way to humanize Artemis in spite of the fact that he's... Yeah, and I would have loved like to sociopath. have seen the drunk, messed up fairy. Yeah. I would have been like, yeah, show me that fairy with mental health issues. There are definitely ways to humanize him in this book. Like, def- there's definitely enough source material. Yeah. Just something they got credit I don't even about. know if they read it. I think they just read the title and was like, oh yeah, Artemis Fowl is a boy and he's got some fairy friends. Do you know what I reckon we should do? That's the extent 
of the this knowledge. is what I think we should do when we when we get adaptations this bad you and I should write a new screenplay oh God, and then yes. do a cold read on our YouTube channel and just be like this is an option just throwing this People out here do that I'm down for this you know like this is this is a better option yeah pick our script so next time you think you're gonna go with someone like Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh just don't and come to us yeah and we'll charge so much less yeah I mean Maddie's like no we won't but also yes well, no, we'll get our name out there first, and then we can charge more. Great, great. But, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> Revamp, remake, retire. Oh, I wonder what we're going to say. Actually, I do wonder what we're going to say, because... Okay, so Revamp is um, a newer version of the film. It's like, think of um, Revamp as any of the live-action Disney films. Not really different, but the same. But just, like, CGI or, like, a different, you know, thing. Remake is, like, start over from at the drawing board tell the story again but differently and like you know try to get it closer to the book retire is like no it's already been done too well or it should have never been attempted in the first place it doesn't fit the medium etc um what do you think do you have yours i got mine okay okay one two three retire yeah <laughs> retire <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i was trying not to make it sound weird but i knew you were gonna say remake and i knew that i was going to say retire um you can go first i think this film or i think this book series deserves another chance i just think it deserves another chance probably with some space from this one i find that fascinating even though you don't want to read any more books in the series you still want the first book film to be given another chance the thing is is that i didn't like artemis in the first book. And for me personally, I don't think he demonstrates enough redemption in the first book to make me want to go on his journey. Sure. But that doesn't mean that his journey isn't valid. And I think <laughs> that, I think that I probably have, have, I don't like cancel culture. I think that showing the redemption of, you know, people like Artemis going on this, on this this path from being an oppressor to an ally is a really important story. Sure. Like, I think we need to show that it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to have been wrong and it's okay to be a villain and then come back from it. And that, that, that we all have to learn to let go of who people were in the past. Um, I just didn't get enough of that in the first book to make me want to go on to the second book. There are so many books that I want to read mm. and I don't feel like I need to read this one. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally see what you're saying, and I think those are really valid points. I personally, I I'm, I, I don't, uh, I agree with you. I don't just, uh, I don't support cancel culture, but I, I personally feel that I don't care. I've seen every film about straight white wealthy men slash boys, and I just don't care anymore. Like I want more space to be given to women people of color, non-straight people. Like, I, I don't know. I just think... Uh, well, but like, it, it, we don't know because we haven't finished the series, but it's possible that given the clues and the fact that Holly Short is the character that she is and the author's clear siding in the favor of environmentalism and against climate change mm. and humans' responsibility for that, um, it's very possible that Artemis's character and his character arc represents the breakdown of toxic masculinity and that through the book he learns to become more emotional and more in, um, engaged with his emotions uh, and more in touch with them and then and, and that's part of his storyline. And that's an important story for young boys to learn because unfortunately we still have a lot of people out there teaching young boys that crying is not okay and that expressing your emotions is not okay mm. and that boys are essentially devoid of emotion in the first place hmm. and should be that way. They're little robots. Yes, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I guess the first book didn't make me want to read the rest, and also didn't show that story to me. So for, for for me, I think you need to give your audience more if that's where you want them to go, and if that's the story you're ultimately trying to tell. Because lots of people sure. will just read the first book, and then they'll be like, "I I, I just think." That there's probably some potential in this because 20 years ago this book was published. Yes. Nearly. And 20 years ago having the character of Holly Short being who Holly Short was and the environmentalism angle in it. I think it's it's progressive for its time. We just read it. We, we just saw the ba- We just watched the Babysitter's Club. So we're, we're and, and, and Steven Uner, Universe and She-Ra. So we're coming off the back of quite, quite progressive works but right now. But to me that's not. Uh, yes. 
yes, yes, you're right. It, they are progressive, but to me, they're like, no, they should be normal. Like, they should be normal. Yeah, and I know that they're not, but... I'm just saying there could be... You know, we watched all the Friends. I, I legit was thinking about that today. <laughs> I was thinking about it as thinking of how I could put that into my stand-up because I was like... My wife and I just rewatched all 10 seasons of Friends, even though there's not really one episode that doesn't have some sort of homophobic or um, transphobic or a derogatory comment about uh, people who are um, less than stick thin. Yeah. But we finished it because we were like, oh, we still kind of relate to their sense of community and the friendship that they feel among their group. Yeah. But it's weird to humanize and normalize such terrible language. But that's getting off topic. No, I think it. I, I think it's in that vein. Um, I think that as a world, we're trying to navigate how we feel about things that are that have been culturally relevant that aren't wearing well. And I think it's an important conversation to be having. Mm. And I think that applies to Artemis Fowl. Like, is it wearing well? Could it have worn better? Very valid question. Very valid. So, uh, are we wrapping up? Are you? We're good? wrapping up. We're good. Right. So. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Chapter 1, Take 2. We have covered Artemis Fowl as part of our 2020 season. Um, like Brianna said at the beginning of the episode, um, who knows when we'll do another 2020 episode because 2020 is a bit of a write-off, especially in regards to uh, new film releases, obviously considering the global pandemic that is currently um, <sighs> ravaging the world. I just brought it down and I feel bad. And I don't, that's why I didn't want to say that. But anyway, hope you're okay. Um, you can find Chapter 1 Take 2 on Twitter. It's CH1TK2. Um, the word Chapter 1 Take 2 all written out in text on Facebook and Instagram. And at Outlook.com is our email address. Chapter 1 Take 2 at Outlook. Outlook.com. <laughs> uh, next week, we will be covering Crazy Rich Asians, which has just been... A wonderful book to read. Yep. Uh, and we encourage dialogue. I'm willing to be convinced if you feel passionately about Artemis Fowl, um, if it had a huge impact on your childhood or even your adulthood, because it's never too late to pick up a children's book, um, please it- let us know. Please let us know if you um, had anything positive to say about the film. Or we- <laughs> oh, yeah, please let us know. <laughs> sorry, that's a bit harsh. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not- sorry, sorry. Um, or if you... Um, if you, if we left out any glaring omissions in its uh, trespasses onto your visual, those are trespassing. Income, you do, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Hit us up. Let us know. Uh, we really love encouraging a dialogue. Uh, We're all about communication. All about communication. That's right. Sorry, I don't know where they came. No, no need to apologize. You're great. Yep, I think that's what all we've got to say. Um, like, follow, subscribe. Share. Send us an emoji. Share. Share. So tell your friends. Tell tell all your friends. Yeah, tell Say, all your hey, friends. Go hey, to a coffee shop. Hey. Sit down. Claim the chair for no reason. Uh, and make sure that it's your spot. Get upset anytime anyone else sits in that yeah, spot. Claim the chair, stand on the chair, and proclaim to the world your love for Chapter 1, Take 2. Yep. A podcast about book-to-film adaptations from two lovely lesbians living in New Zealand. Yep. Yep. That's us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. (laughs) I know.